Hi, this is Natalie Lander, voice of Kinsey, Tara Branford, Stargirl, and many others. You are listening to a W2Mnet podcast. You can visit W2Mnet.com for other podcasts about entertainment, video games, sports, and wrestling. We need a better intro. Football. Point spreads. Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Nope, nope, sorry. Force of habit. Wrong show. This is a point of viewer. This is the kickoff. A presentation of the W2M Network. And always you can find us online at W2Mnet.com. No, I am not the voice of reason, Harry Broadhurst. He'll explain in a little bit. But I am the legitimate anchor man for this week, Eric Watkins. But no, I guess everybody's delight. I'm not doing this show by myself. Because as usual, we do have their typical cast of characters. Including the voice of reason, Harry Broadhurst. Yeah, uh, the weather in Ohio went from 80 to 50 like I saw a state trooper and gave me a sinus migraine. So I'm going to be talking as little as absolutely necessary. Therefore, I turned over the hosting duties to Mr. Watkins for the evening. Very graciously, if I must say. And again, returning from his, well, hiatus and now fully recovered after last week and his cover to the Hoot Owls, the unprofessional Jason Teasley. Hey, everybody. I'm here. Um, and there's going to be a lot to talk about coming forth. Naturally, because needless to say, it's been a crazy week. But we can't get into that just yet because I have yet to introduce the Riz, Randy Isbell. Hey, the Jets still have the first pick. Life is good. I mean, we're not that far behind you, but we ain't even talking about that just yet. Because what we are going to do is just like we always do. We're going to start with studs. And duds. Even though I am hosting, I don't typically go first in this segment. Harry, all yours. Oh, geez, you got to give me a second to pull up the stat lines. I wasn't expecting to go first. Nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition or to go first on this show. Besides, you should know me by now. How many times have I ever finished first? Family shit? Wait, you're hosting. I guess I can't do that, can I? <laughs> Who says oh, I'm waiting uh, all the way until episode 138? All right, well, here's the thing. Uh, 206 yards and a pair of scores make my stud for the week, Minnesota Viking Dalvin Cook. In two weeks now, he has gone for a combined total of over 400 yards. And if I'm not mistaken, Mr. Watkins, this particular area statistic is more your line of run. I believe he's actually moved into the rushing lead in the NFL. Rushing lead yardage, possible. Leading scorer when it comes to touchdowns, yes. Well, I mean, didn't he have four touchdowns the week prior against Green Bay? Yes. So with this duo brings him up to 12. And not to mention, that's 36 points in two weeks from a running back position, which is damn near unheard of in modern-day NFL. Well, I unless, mean, Kirk Cousins unless, likes that, unless, so... I mean, the only way it's heard of is if your name is Christian McCaffrey and you're getting 40 touches a game. Well, 
like I said, Kirk Cousins likes that because, well, we're not talking about him as much, thankfully. Well, to be fair, this was a 1 p.m. game on a Sunday. That's why Kirk Cousins didn't fuck it up. True, true, but we can't quite say that for this coming week now, can we? Nope, they're back in primetime. We'll talk more about this game a little bit later on, I think. Naturally. And now for me, it's a quarterback. I'm not going to go into his full name again, but I am going to say he has garnered his own nickname here on the kickoff. Maui Wowie himself, my stud is Tua Tagovailoa. Now let me explain. There was a lot of pressure on him. There were a lot of rumors swirling around that the Dolphins were auditioning him to see whether or not they would reach into the draft for another quarterback or if he could really be their guy, even though he's only had one career start to this point. What did he do? 20 for 28. 248 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, a passer rating of 122.3, and more importantly, a QBR of almost 88. Very impressive and a nail-biting win in Arizona. Um, real quick, Eric, to jump back in, uh, impressive performance by Tagovailoa, and I will openly admit to being wrong when I said that I don't think he actually plays this year. Uh, clearly I was wrong, and he's fitting into the Miami offense very well, so credit to him. I do think it was still too soon to move away from Fitzpatrick, but that's a conversation for another show. Uh, I was correct. Dalvin Cook leads the NFL in rushing by 15 yards over Derrick Henry of Tennessee. That made sense, because he, was, he and Henry are the only ones who have consistently been able to put up big performance numbers, so that does sound about right. It checks out. Nobody. Nobody else is within 250 yards of them. Naturally. Naturally. Well, God, I still wish Derrick Henry would just come home to Jacksonville because we need him. He would suffer, but he's already used to it by now. Well, if it makes you feel any better, Eric, you can watch Derrick Henry on Thursday Night Football tomorrow when the Titans take on the Colts. But, but it's not the same... Ugh. Sorry. That's okay. Jason, who's your stud? Uh, my stud comes out of the uh, Great White North uh, area of the of the United States, uh, and that would be Devontae Adams, who uh, caught ten of twelve passes for 173 yards and one touchdown, with the longest reception being a 40. 49 yarder um at a ppr format that's 33 and a third points um you know if we only had a fantasy football podcast to talk about that on which should be coming back here once everything gets straightened out uh but yeah i mean on thursday night football Devontae adams just lit the 49ers up uh aaron Rodgers looked like he was having fun out there slinging the ball around uh so yeah i was i was really impressed with uh this stat line once i looked it up uh after thursday night football had concluded uh fun fact Devonte adams has actually moved into the top 10 in receiving yards from that performance on thursday night football he's up to number eight now with 675 yards 17 yards behind New Harry Fantasy Football signing Terry McLaurin. 
just need to clarify something. You said the Great White North region of the United States. Did we annex Canada and I didn't know about it? Well, uh, well, there's a. I don't see very many black people in Green Bay unless they're playing professional sports. So I was taking it from South Alabama all the way up to Green Bay, Wisconsin. I would have so to get a lot of running shoes to make that trip. That checks out. <clears throat> The views and opinions of Jason Teasley do not necessarily reflect the rest of us here at the WPM Network. Viewer discretion is advised. Sorry, standard disclaimer. Continue, Eric. Actually, actually, <laughs> yeah, I did pay this month, so there's that. And, I mean, if we're talking viewer discretion being advised, I just said the whole thing about the running shoes, so take that for what it's worth. Yeah, we still got Randy to talk. <laughs> um... Eric? Yes? Yours would be point of viewer discretion advice. Fair. <laughs> Alright, Randy, we've softened everything up for a little bit for you. Who's your stud? Uh, I'm going to give credit to, to Harry's boy. Josh Allen had a fantastic game against Seattle. I've been on Josh Allen all season about his inaccuracy, and he, especially after the first few games, was not looking good. And I know the Seattle defense is garbage, but Josh Allen was actually connecting with the open receivers. Usually he'll miss a few of them throughout the game, but 31 of 38, 415 yards and three touchdowns. Did get sacked seven times, but had a fantastic game, and that was that was a big proving game for Allen and the Bills, and they did a good job. Well, let's talk about, well, I guess we could kind of save that until we pour one out for the homers, so I'll go ahead and shut up now. Continue, Eric. Well, I was going to say, yeah, you're right, because that is a little bit down the road. But for now, we'll just leave the intrigue at that. And I don't even need the dramatic music because it's actually going to be a good thing. But for now, we've got to talk about bad things as we go to the other side. Harry, who's your dud? So, there was this big showdown game in primetime on Sunday Night Football. And something happened to Tom Brady for the first time in his 19-year NFL career. Randy, trivia question. Do you know what that is? You suck. For the first time in Tom Brady's 19-year career, he was swept by a divisional opponent. Well, I mean, he got out of the AFC East, so it was a lot easier to, to have that happen. As Tom Brady and the rest of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers got their asses absolutely handed to them on a national stage 38-3 to by the New Orleans Saints. This game was over come halftime. I believe it was 28-3 at the half. That was a very, very familiar scoreline, and yes. And as a bit of a squid bit, that was not the only first that Tom Brady suffered in his career. Squid bit. Go ahead, Eric. I'm listening. Uh, the thirty, the first time in his career he lost a game by 35 points. That had never happened before. And... So, largest margin of loss in his career. Zero touchdown passes and three interceptions. He's never had that particular stat line in his career before. Man, it was just all around a bad day for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, fun fact. Where are your Buccaneers? 
under my bucket hat. Thank you for queuing me up there, Jason. Appreciate it. Um, fun fact about this game, and of all people to share this stat, it was Chris Collinsworth. Did you know that Tampa Bay tied an NFL record for fewest rushing attempts in a game on this game with only five rushing attempts? Didn't they run wow. the ball like five times for nine yards? So Leonard Fournette had one carry for six yards. Well, luckily, Ronald, they... go ahead. <laughs> Ronald Jones had three carries, and then there was a kneel down at the end of the game by Tampa Bay to forfeit the rest of the time off the clock. Yeah, as we saw for that fourth quarter, the fantabulous matchup of Jameis Winston versus Blaine Gabbert. You see Jameis eating the W in his post-match interview? Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. It, it, it was fitting. Very fitting. And luckily, they didn't pay their new receiver that just arrived a whole lot of money either. So, yeah. Tampa Bay, <laughs> you suck. Just, just going to no-sell that one? Okay. I, I, I see how it is. I, I, my head's like elsewhere, man. I'll make that as part of my so that happened later on. But for now, my dud. Well, it was a crazy year, 1987. I had entered that year with being just an infant. Later in that October, as football season was getting going, Wall Street would just clamor and shatter for Black Monday. And it was, going into 2020, the last time... The University of Indiana beat Michigan on a football field. Well, this being 2020, Indiana does it again. Starting 3-0 in conference play for the first time since 88. With all due respect to Indiana, my dud is the Michigan Wolverines. We talked about this. Go ahead. Did you say that the Hoosiers are up to 10th in the AP poll? Well, mm-hmm. that's what happens when you're beating these big teams. I mean, look, again, going back, not piling on with what happened against Penn State, but adding this to Michigan and all these other, they're actually a competent team. Look out for the Hoosiers in the Big Ten East this year. Yeah, they're actually getting a little bit of a gift because of what I'm going to discuss from the news desk. Dramatic reverb. So, yeah, we talked about this. This is just adding more and more nails in the coffin for Harbaugh. But don't be surprised if certain NFL openings come up after Black Monday that his name gets bandied about because it just might be time. The thing is, is he's actually a decent NFL coach when he was with San Francisco. Yeah, he just got on the front office's nerves, and they subsequently got rid of him. There's that. True. Jason, who's your dud? My dud comes out of Mile High, uh, and that would be Melvin Gordon, who, as a starting NFL running back, managed to carry the ball six times for 18 yards, and of that 18 yards, out of the six time, one carry was for nine yards by itself. So uh, this crippled a lot of fantasy teams that 
you know, thought that the Atlanta defense was soft enough to start uh, Gordon in and be productive. I was one of them in multiple leagues, and I was proven wrong. Uh, luckily, I had some players to pick up the slack. But, yeah, I'm, Melvin Gordon in Denver has definitely not returned the dividends that they had hoped. Honestly, I'm not 100% surprised, but I am a little bit disappointed because this was supposed to be the year that with Gordon coming in, with Drew Locke establishing himself, was Denver expected to win a lot? No, but they were starting to have things gel in place. And let's face it, the opposite of that has happened in a few different ways. Well, I mean, in fairness, Locke has been taking a beating at the quarterback spot, and Philip Lindsay's been hurt most of the season. Also true. Well, I mean, Locke had a solid game. I mean, he went for 313 yards and two touchdowns. Yeah. And and he was the leading rusher with 47 yards. Yeah, not denying that he's having solid performances. He hasn't taken a step back by any means, but it's just everything this was supposed to be the start of things coming together where Denver could indeed begin to compete, and, well, they're not. It is a mild bit of a shame. But, speaking of shame, Randy, who's your dud? Yeah, my, dad's, my dad is uh, Philip Rivers, who's just been a dud all season long. I think if you look at all the quarterbacks that started the season that are still the starters on their teams, I think Philip Rivers might be the worst of those quarterbacks this year. He it was a bad game against Baltimore here, which was another proof game that it just did not work. 25 of 43 for just 227 yards and an interception. QBR of 33.6, and I am being generous with that number. He's just not a good quarterback. And I think if they played Jacoby Brissett, I think they have a better chance than with Rivers. Gee, it's almost like somebody predicted that something like this would happen on the podcast at the beginning of the season. I wonder who that was. Somebody else also predicted that the Colts would win that division, and thus far they're still hanging tough with the Titans. They have a chance to take the outright lead tomorrow night. Chance, yes. Realistically, let's think about that. I'm picking Indianapolis in our in our pool. Oh, Harry, 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 Harry. One of these days, you'll learn. What can I say? Old man Rivers. He's done well for me this year picking him. I mean, well, yes, but he did well for a while with the Chargers, and how did that eventually end up? Mm, you know. Well, that concludes Studs and Duds. And as a prelude to the news desk, we shall move on to, so, that happened, and there was quite a bit. Harry, uh, start with you, because I have a feeling there's going to be a little bit of a theme here, especially with mine as well. Yeah, it's ironic that I chose who I chose where I chose him, because, well, enjoy it while it lasts this season. Christian McCaffrey, widely considered to be the great white hype, is arguably the best player in the National Football League. 
that isn't a quarterback. I don't think it's arguable that he's the best player that isn't a quarterback. He might be the best player, period. Was back in the starting lineup for the Carolina Panthers, and Carolina actually put in a very strong performance with McCaffrey back in the starting lineup. And then McCaffrey got hurt again and will now be missing time again. Um, Eric. Yes, Real talk as a fantasy guy, and I'll ask Jason his opinion on this as well because I know he's a big fantasy football guy as well. If you are in a redraft league, do you trust Christian McCaffrey the rest of the season? No. I Jason honestly don't. Yes, because I just traded for him in two redraft leagues, uh, and I gave up one Terry. <laughs> McLaren and the other one I gave up DJ Moore and got McCaffrey straight up for both of them. So uh, it was worth the gamble. I think McCaffrey's going to be fine. Uh, he's day-to-day. I think it was more or less he injured his shoulder. I think he's going to be held out this game, but I think that they're going to make a push. Uh, they're not going to rush him back. Uh, the severity of the shoulder has not been released that I've seen. Uh, of course, I haven't checked it since I was on lunch about three hours ago. Uh, but th- I think they've already wrote, they have already ruled him out this week as precautionary just to see to make sure that he gets the adequate rest and uh, healing, and so they can evaluate it better. I don't think it's it's a big issue. In a redraft league, you see these people you, they start panicking and they want to unload him. And I'm fine with that. I'm fine to be the one that picks him up for chump change for a player that they they are uh, thinking that's going to be the key to their championship. And when McCaffrey comes back for the playoffs in week 13, my backfield in one league, uh, it, my well, my team in one league consists of Russell Wilson, Christian McCaffrey, Nick Chubb, Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, and Travis Kelsey. Jesus. Uh, yeah, because people get scared. Uh, Devontae Adams had one bad game, and guy wanted to trade him. Uh, I, got, I drafted Russell Wilson in the ninth round, uh, and everybody else was jumping on quarterbacks in the second and third round, and I got Wilson in like the ninth, uh, and it's worked out for me. And then somebody, when Nick Chubb went on IR, I was sitting at the top of the waiver wire, they dropped him. I was first what would they do first come first serve. Uh, as soon as I seen that he was dropped, I put in the waiver wire to take him. And I mean, I've just been like racking up uh, just inexperienced owners. So yeah, I'm gonna take the I'm gonna take the gamble on McCaffrey to win a couple of championships. I mean if the injury really isn't that severe, and initial reports that I've heard were a maximum of 10 days, so he would be back for week 11, yeah, for a redraft, it is worth the gamble. Now, granted, if we were talking dynasty, he would just stay automatically. That's of locked course. in, so. Of course. In the dynasty league, you don't drop him over one bad season, one injury-prone season, because there's plenty of opportunity for bounce back there. Absolutely. I'm thinking I'm thinking more short term here, and especially if you're in like an eight to ten team league 
where there are probably competent people that can get you through the rest of the season, the rest of the season at the running back position without having the injury risk and the potential lack of playing time that McCaffrey might have going forward if these injuries continue to pile up this year. It's a sign that the wear and tear that Carolina is putting on him is starting to affect him. Yeah, and that's the thing, and especially as Jason mentioned, when you're this late into the season, you're only a couple of weeks from the start of the fantasy playoffs, so you got to measure that very carefully. And also, you got to look. Um, what what you got to look at is the fact that if you are in a ten to twelve redraft lead and you've got the bid spot just to stash in for the playoffs, what is it hurting? I mean, you can make deals. You can work the waiver wire to find team, find somebody just to plug in and then, you know, just reap the benefits once he comes back healthy. And believe me, we will be uh, talking about this a little more in depth on the eventual return of What's Your Fantasy and to, to the host of that show, well, actually, no, I'm going to have to go next because of the theme. With my So That Happened, this one went over your head, Harry, because I was mentioning a return of a wide receiver that was made officially official, and another return that was much less heralded. We anticipated the chaos of the Florida man that was Antonio Brown. That didn't go so well in Tampa Bay. But oh, no, it went, it went exactly how we thought Antonio Brown's influence on that team would go. They completely shit the bed. This is true. Even Mama Watkins pretty much said so herself. She also dubbed it the Antonio Brown curse, rightfully so. But did you also know there was a much, you could say much less maligned wide receiver stepping into a much better situation on a better team? Up in Baltimore, for their game in Indianapolis, there was one man on the sideline who was activated from the practice squad to the main roster. The one, the only, Des Bryant. Granted, he did not register a catch in the Ravens' win, but the fact that he's there... You could say this could add maybe another potential weapon for Baltimore to kind of make that push going into deeper into the second half of the year. See, I'm going to take a major wait and see approach here because Des hasn't played in an NFL game in like two and a half years. Hence why I said another potential weapon, not locking him in by any means just yet. Uh, I will say this much. I do think that he helps what is, uh, arguably the weakest part of the Baltimore offense. Mm-hmm. They have a strong backfield. They have a good offensive line. They have one of the better tight ends in the AFC in Mark Andrews. And Lamar Jackson's track record over the last two seasons kind of speak for itself. But their receiving quarter has been relatively underwhelming this year outside of a couple of burst performances by Hollywood Brown. So... Um, I'm just going to add on to that. I can't remember who who came out and said it. I've seen the quote. Somebody came out and said that it's time to get off the Lamar Jackson hype. And because if Kyler Murray was on that team, the Baltimore Ravens would be the uh, 
would be undefeated instead of the Steelers, and nobody would touch them uh, for a significantly long time on multiple Super Bowl wins. I disagree. I think Jackson's perfectly capable of handling that. I think he runs too often. It's the same problem I have with uh, Josh Allen up in Buffalo, but I think by and large that offense is catered around Lamar Jackson and to a lesser extent around Lamar Jackson's backup in all Robert Griffin III. Well, yeah, that's why they brought RG3 in as a backup to begin with, so that way they could have someone who's more of a veteran but can run that same style of offense. And this is another thing why I think he still runs a bit too much, but I noticed they're trying to scale it back a little bit more, a little bit more to continue his development as a passer. I think you should see another stride, not so much the remainder of this season, but going into next season. Now, Randy, I haven't been able to hear from you too much so far, but I wanted to kind of ask you, which really out of these three, between one CMC's now extra absence, the curse that is Antonio Brown, and the addition of Des Bryant, which do you think of these three will turn out the most meaningful, especially for the rest of this season? That's really tough because I don't think any of them really do. I mean, the Panthers have struggled to find victories, and Mike Davis has been just fine. Uh, obviously, Christian McCaffrey's fantastic, and, and you can see the difference he made the moment he came back, but that team's kind of out of it. I'm not on the Antonio Brown curse bandwagon like a lot of people. I, I, I do think he kind of hurts that team in a way, but Tampa Bay just got punched in the mouth so hard on Sunday night. I think their entire game plan went away quickly. Tom Brady just looked off. I don't think he was trying to force the ball anywhere. It just was an off night for that team. And I don't think Des Bryant really does anything for Baltimore. It's a good story. I'm glad he's back in the league, but I just don't see him making a giant impact there either. So if I have to pick one, I think it's it's Christian McCaffrey because he is such a dynamic player. But the Panthers, while they are one of the funnest teams to watch on the field, are already out of it. Yeah, I mean, if you look at with the state of that division and potentially with the playoff picture, we'll talk about that in just a few minutes. Uh, dramatic reverb. It's pretty safe to say that, yeah, at the very least, they're teetering, but they may be done. Uh, I, sent, I sent you guys that article earlier today where CBS Sportsline gave the updated projections on postseasons. And the Panthers are like the second lowest in the in the NFC right now. But the reason that they're not um, and the reason that they're the second lowest is because the Giants, the Cowboys and the Washington football team are all rated above them due to the fact that they have an opportunity to win the NFC least. another one of those years every five years or so we always get that one division just the one thankfully are we are we sticking by our six nine and one wins that division for philly i am Philly's not going to win that division 
well, going to our Resident Giants fan, and we will be talking about that a little bit later when we pour one out for the homers, you have something that maybe a potential prize for one of the teams that does not win that division, maybe not, but the there was a little bit of a significant performance as such to that particular team. So, that happened. Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, if anybody uh, listened to last week's show, uh, heard me go on record and predict the primetime upset of Notre Dame over Clemson, uh, especially with Trevor Lawrence being out. What I did not predict is... Um, Trevor Lawrence's backup, DJ Akuna Matata, ukulele, sun-kissed, sweet I feel, like, I feel like DJ ukulele would work for him, especially yeah, given how so, so we're just going to call him DJ ukulele from now on. I, I will just, uh, just for technicality's sake, DJ Uyagalele. But yes, yeah, DJ ukulele. ukulele is close enough. Yeah, DJ uh, who stepped in and put on a massive performance and highly impressed me uh, myself. I thought this. I thought Notre Dame would go in there and just uh, actually just run away with this game, but what I seen was a young man who's poised to take over after Trevor Lawrence does step away, or if Trevor Lawrence was to miss any time that can step into that role and lead this team. Uh, He went for 439 yards, two touchdowns on 29 of 44 attempts. I've seen, uh, I haven't seen numbers like that uh, since the West Virginia Baylor game quite uh, a few years ago when they put up, when Pat White put up like absolute Madden numbers. I mean, and I, I mean, I was highly impressed. So, kids got a bright future, uh, definitely on Saturdays. And I would go as far to say that his Sundays might be filled up uh, once he's done at Clemson. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, because I believe they mentioned this during the You're podcast. wrong. Isn't he a fifth-year senior? Uh I I was thinking he was I, I was thinking he was a senior, but I didn't think he was a fifth year. Uh, I'll, I'll double check up. that real quick. Yeah, I was thinking he had one more eligibility. Um, you got to remember, this year doesn't count towards eligibility in the NCAA. This yeah, is true. Um, let's see here. He is wow. I didn't know he was six four. Uh, no, uh, we we are wrong. We we are we are very wrong. Uh, he's a freshman. Okay, so I was indeed wrong. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, he's a freshman. I was thinking he was a senior with a, a another year of eligibility, uh, but according to ESPN, he is a freshman. So the kid's he's got, got a, a very wild, bright future. Very bright. He's got a very bright future. And that means I'll have to put up with him again. Now put up with him in the ACC for the next few years. Splendid. Oh. It just never ends. They don't rebuild, they just reload. 
Of course. Now, granted, if Jacksonville plays their cards right, then we won't have to worry about any of that in the ACC. I just have to worry about it here in Jacksonville. But we ain't even talking about that right now. Uh, we teased this a little bit before we got to Jason. Randy, uh, you saw the same news that I did. So, that happened. Yeah, uh, the NFL made a move on Tuesday, which I really liked. Uh, they did something that the NCAA just refuses to do, and that is come up with a contingency plan in case COVID continues to get worse over the winter. Uh, we see it all over the NFL. Like At least half of the teams have at least one COVID case or one person in the COVID list because they were a close contact to somebody else. You saw that with Stafford last week. You saw that with Big Ben right now this week. So they have come out with a contingency in case things just blow up, and that is to add another team to each of the AFC and NFC leagues. So it would be a 16-team playoff in case some major games get missed in the regular season and so they don't have to push back even farther and mess up Super Bowl dates and, and everything there. So I like that they have come up with a backup plan in case something happens. Uh, NCAA, if you're listening, you don't have to be so stuck in your ways in a weird year like 2020. We saw the basketball and hockey change things. We saw MLB change things. NFL has a has in figured out now with some planning in case it gets worse to change things. But nope, NCAA doesn't want to do anything. And I will say it was one of the two moves that the NFL made. We'll talk about the other at the news desk, but this was the one that I liked. And it is very intriguing because in some ways it harkens back to 1982. If that 16-team format comes into play, there will be no reseeding. It will be a straight bracket style. I'm, I am okay with that. I do think that it hurts the teams that win the respective conferences that would have gotten the buy in the 14 team playoff, though. Yeah, it, it really does because they were already planning for that expansion and everybody chasing that number one seed is getting the only buy. And this does improve the chances of a potential quote-unquote accidental champion if you look at all the different mathematics and statistics behind it. But if you're talking about actually losing games and having to worry about things like several different tiebreakers, winning percentages, and this and that, it kind of balances things out in a way. That was a lot of happening. Yes. Yeah, so yes, like it was. M. Night Shyamalan. Well, we'll look. I'm reading a lot of signs here. What can I say? Yeah, well, this sign hey, says... We'll just take it to the... We'll just, we'll just gather around the village and see what uh, transpires. I was thinking of something, but I didn't know if it qualified or not. So yeah, I'm just well, gonna keep my mouth. We may shut. even see, we maybe even see the lady in the water this year. Who knows? <laughs> you know, I've got a sixth sense about these things. See, there was the one that I was thinking of, but I was like, did that really count? I don't know. 
Yeah, I've got that. I've got that six cents. Yes, something like ESPN about this. Anyway. Okay, well, I I will admit the ESPN part popped. All right, let's move on, Eric. Yes, as that wraps up, so that happened. Now, did we want to go right straight into the news desk, Harry? <laughs> well, you're gonna need a second to set up. Uh, I'm a survivor due to where we're going with that. So we might as well run straight into the news desk here. Okay. Just do me a favor. Mm -hmm. Make sure you punch in the stories that we cover on the news desk so that way I can mention them in the show preview. Definitely. And I am actually on that related note going to need one quick second. So if you wouldn't mind at least we're starting getting into the news desk a bit. All right, I'll actually cover the first story here because it affects my conference. Um, the SEC's commissioner, Greg Sankey, has come out and stated that the, the SEC itself is shaken but not deterred from its original plan to play a full conference-only schedule. This news comes after four separate SEC games scheduled for this weekend have been postponed. Alabama, LSU, Texas A&M and Tennessee, Georgia and Missouri, and Auburn versus Mississippi State. Because COVID-19 positive tests and the related um, contact tracing has left four, four teams out of that group that I just mentioned with not enough scholarship athletes to play this week. Jason, um, I ask you this question out, out of this here. Hypothetically speaking, college football championship weekend is set for December 19th with the announcement of the college football playoff. Do you think it would be wise to push back the announcement of the, the teams in the playoff and use the month of December to help make up some of the games that were missing through the postponements during the regular season schedule? No, because the reason why I say that is because you also run into uh, we're we're getting into a, another season, and that is uh, popular in in America, and that's called flu season. Uh, with everything going on, you could run into the possibility of a higher uh, contagion than. Normal, which would if you did push those games back, you're not guaranteed. Uh, I think the best way to do it is to keep everything the way it is and just have some kind of contingency plan. I mean, if they really want to get the games in, play them in the these, spring. The, well, no, no, not necessarily that. Is they can, you know, if protocols are cleared you know what's preventing doubling up in a week uh, when you're talking about in situations like teams with playing double headers even with teams that are close to that or leagues that have been close to trying that like the canadian football league for example because in situations where they have the odd number of teams they have teams play twice in a week and they would build in an extra bye week during the season because you're asking the players to play like three, four days apart. Do we already do that in some cases now with 
Monday night or Sunday and Thursday night football? Yes, but you're kind but you're of walking also talking the about there. True. You're talking about professional versus college athletes. This and this yeah, is also think, true. I don't think collegiate athletes are built to be able to play multiple games in a week on a football basis. Basketball, sure. Basketball games a week, but collegiate I mean, athletes I'm, football, I don't think it would be viable. I've watched teams. I've watched high school teams play. Uh, turn around and play two games in four days. Okay, and there was a Division three team that, because of a schedule mix-up, they played a doubleheader two games in a single day. But that overall, yeah, I, that I, is I very I, taxing. I, yeah, doing it in a single day, I mean, you would need – You, I mean, of course, you're going to need a travel day, uh, at least one travel day and everything. Uh, I think that you might be able to – uh, do something like that, uh, not anything immediate, but I think that you could put that in the contingency plan to maybe uh, throw that out there to see if uh, you could work something like that in to where a, a team would play uh, two games in, say, a 10-day span uh, and maybe rework the schedule to where they you're playing with four days apart. And with something like that, especially, this is more important in a conference like the SEC because they've already got their dates set up playing very close to the final selection for the college football playoff. If the teams involved, like your Alabamas, like your Floridas, etc., if they weren't major players for making the trip to Atlanta, they could feasibly do like what you're seeing with the Big Ten, what you're going to see with the Big Ten, what you're going to see potentially with the Pac-12, as far as having these games made up championship weekend. The only problem is that would mix up a whole extra bunch of parameters. So the SEC, more so than the games being canceled or postponed in the Big Ten, like Ohio State, Maryland, like the games that are already in jeopardy for the Pac-12 just flat out being canceled, it's a stickier situation than the other conferences. Okay, let me ask. Let me throw this at Randy here because Randy hasn't really spoken up in the last few moments here. Randy, do you think we should just list these games as ties in the conference standings and move on? No, you don't put them as ties because nothing happened. They're just they. They're canceled and they, they don't go into the history books. You make them ties, then it just messes up all the, the all of a sudden we're talking about all these 1930 games between Notre Dame and Texas that tied five five. Hey now, there were some very stingent defenses and athletes on those teams. I'll have you know. Well, none of them are as good as COVID apparently because they're getting all, all, all I'm going to say is. You know, they say ties are like kissing your sisters, so Alabama would be right at home. <laughs> Views and opinions of Jason Teasley, yada, yada, yada. All right, Eric, I covered the SEC's cancellations for the week in the news desk. The floor is yours, sir. Well, the SEC, as we touched on a little bit, they're not the only ones dealing with cancellations and postponements as they are losing four of what is now a total of 11 games. There's some marquee matchups, especially in the Big Ten, like I mentioned. Ohio State-Maryland officially canceled. 
You actually just had your Penn State running back having to medically retire because of a heart condition, I believe related to COVID-19, hasn't officially been confirmed, it's likely. And you have some games that were already set up for the Pac-12 scheduled either in jeopardy, like the Cal game, to be flat out canceled. So you're wondering, yes, it's a better idea to declare these as no contests, but with these cancellations, how would people really look on the standings going years from now? Are we ready to just slap on one gigantic asterisk and be done with it? Yes. I think that's what you do. I mean, the history books are going to look back at 2020 as a big cluster anyways, so why not just put a big giant asterisk on it and say, listen, we did the best we could. We got the games in that we were, we were able to play. And this uh, this is the end result we were able to get to by the end of the season. And if people are interested in hearing more about Pac-12 football, Randy, they can do so on the R&R Sports Review. Yeah, absolutely. 88.9 FM if you're near Lewiston. R&R Sports Report on Facebook and KLCZ.com, 6 to 8 p.m. Pacific time on Tuesday nights. And soon to come on the show, five pin bowling. At some point, Eric, we will do it. Also soon to come on that show, the other members of the kickoff, once he has the balls to open up the call-in line. No. Again, I don't understand the paranoia. It's not like you had to make a bet with me to go two hours without swearing or anything. I can work clean, especially for between the hours of uh, 9 to 11 Eastern, 8 to 10 Central, 6 to 8 Pacific, 4 to 6 Hawaiian. Come on now. Give me some credit. Penn State running back Journey Brown is medically retiring from football after being diagnosed with hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. Head coach James Franklin announced, Wednesday night that the redshirt junior would no longer be able to play. Brown had been held out of the season as Penn State announced in October that a medical condition was discovered in the offseason. It was not COVID-related, however. I, I didn't think so because even though you have, like, the similar symptoms with basically the lining of the walls of the heart becoming increasingly thick, making it harder for the heart to pump blood, there are some things like that, like myocarditis, that are related to COVID symptoms. Yeah. For something like this, it wasn't, thankfully, well, in some senses. You mentioned specifically myocarditis. My myocarditis is rumored to be a side effect of COVID-19 upon recovery. Mm -hmm. So since I actually just read that verbatim from the ESPN website, I'm posting the link in the group chat so we can add it to the uh the ESPN link in the group chat so we can add it to the show preview. Gotcha, and we'll fuck be covering ESPN. the others as well. No, if we're doing anything, fuck Nabisco. You know what I found out about Oreos before the show? Fuck Nabisco. Well, I can get behind that train. <laughs> oh, moving no on. No words. Well, I mean, all I have to say to that is hashtag moving twink. on. <laughs> Not even going to let me, no, not this time. Nope. Nope. All right, fine. If we gotta, hashtag twinsies. So, apparently, 
apparently all of these COVID situations are not exclusively a college football problem, as we've had not one, not two, but three quarterbacks placed on reserve lists within the past week. We had mentioned earlier Matthew Stafford, Ben Roethlisberger, and the Browns have just placed Baker Mayfield on the reserve COVID list. Actually, they just activated him from that list today. He was placed on it last week. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah yes. during their bye week. Okay, but I mean, aside from that, my mistake, you're looking at roughly 15 teams either dealing with positive tests or players on the reserve list. We already have the NFL looking at these contingency plans. Jason, as you said, looking at some of the numbers and with everything going into the flu season, I think it's wise that the NFL is saying we're not 100% where we need to be with this, but we're following other teams' measures of trying to maximize revenue. We just saw in the NBA that they're going to start their season just before Christmas to help save themselves money. The NHL has been radio silence trying to figure things out. So, thankfully, we're getting a lot of planning. And so far, while there have been discussions about loopholes and policies, while there have been fines, like with Tennessee, like with Pittsburgh, and Mike Tomlin were just fined for mask violations, like with Las Vegas getting bitch slapped by the NFL. For multiple violations, another $500,000 team fine, 150000 to John Gruden, and the loss of a sixth-round draft pick. It is nice to see that even though that there are issues, even though you have guys like Aaron Rodgers coming out and saying there's discrepancies here and there, the NFL is at least being somewhat proactive and definitely reactive in the proper ways with this situation. I'm I'm just going to throw this out there. I mean, because this it it got me thinking. Out of all the teams that have had um, quote unquote scares, we'll label them scares, and everything, have we seen any of the New York, Florida, or uh, California teams? Buffalo had its tight end room have issues. I specifically remember uh, Dawson, uh, Dawson Knox. Well, and... we, we, we don't really count Buffalo as New York. I mean, they're they're upstate. They're they're like Canada-like. You're right, because we actually win games. And we win Super Bowls. Um, so, I, I, no, I'm just saying, like, the really, really heavy lift. It seems like it's hitting. It's not hitting the major market teams. It's hitting the mid, mid major uh, teams. Well, I will say with, this: with when their... you, I will say this when you mention Florida. The Jaguars have had Rykel Armstead not play this season because of COVID nineteen and multiple complications due to COVID nineteen. So we've been dealing with that here. Yeah, but I mean that was that was determined before the. I'm talking about since the season has kicked off. We've not seen like the major market teams have any cases popped, have we? It's been mid mid majors. I think a lot of the, the bigger cities and stuff are 
probably having stricter stricter protocols when it comes to their teams too, as far as what they mm-hmm. can and can't uh, do. I mean, I'm, I just I'm just looking at it like I mean, the 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 big major teams. I mean, Tennessee is. I think they 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 avoided teams. Um, they just want to avoid teams so they can keep a winning record. Uh, but I'm just saying that um, the the real the real major TV markets teams haven't got hit um, that I know of. I mean, we could be wrong. So I'm just I'm just curious what maybe they could maybe that uh, Goodell needs to take a look and see their model to see what they're doing. Because, like I said, none of the major market teams have been hit. Like the, uh, I don't think there's been a case in the NFC West at all. Uh, NFC East hasn't had a case that I know of. Uh, but uh, has the AFC West had any cases? I don't think. Las Vegas. Did did they have some pop? Yes. I'm- I'm pretty okay. sure Vegas had had a couple of players pop, and that's what led to the COVID violations that they got fined for. Uh, a couple okay. of players popped a non-authorized person in the locker room, but it involved their tackle, and that's what led to the offensive line. Yeah, so, but yeah. but did that didn't they pop because they had <laughs> like somebody snuck <laughs> some hoary in or something? It, not to that specific possibly. of a detail. It's possible, but. The yeah. official reports state there was a non-authorized personnel yeah. in their locker room oh. post-game. Okay, so I, real quick, I'll let you finish, Randy. I will yeah. have you know that we use the term lady of the evening around these parts parts because we are gentlemen. All right, go ahead, Randy. Speak right, for this yourself. Was, <laughs> this was on the 6th from Mike Florio from NBC Sports. At that time, there were 15 teams that were that currently had issues with the COVID-19 virus. Those teams were the Ravens, Texans, Colts, Broncos, Chiefs, Cowboys, Packers, Bears, 49ers, Cardinals, Eagles, Raiders, Lions, Falcons, and Dolphins. That's every division. And, and all over the major map. markets as well. And I just have a quick question. I know Jason's probably joking. Are you saying Tennessee set up their schedule? No, I'm saying that they might have had false pods. They got on a winning record and started uh, having I, I, okay, false pods. They were missing games and stuff. Okay, I yeah. got it. I was just yeah. I, we were I, talking I was, mid majors and stuff, and I, I, was, I was like, when I was looking this up, I was like, did we go to college at some point? What are we talking about? What happened? Well, okay. mid major TV markets, right? Uh, because I mean, your major TV markets are your your California, your LA, your New York. I don't remember. I, I, I don't remember Dallas having anybody. I know that there was a they suspected them and they had a false positive, but it came back negative. But I didn't know that it came back confirmed. So that, I, I was just taking looking at what what is being done, especially in you know uh, I mean the hotbed what when everything was going on was New York, mm-hmm. but we've we've not seen a Jets or a Giants player pop i mean and new york is the the media outlet of of the world basically and right. you've not seen so i, I mean with maybe the, maybe that, we need to look into 
Maybe we need to look in. Goodell needs to look in and see what's what these major markets are doing to prevent from having issues. Well, you have those in the more major markets surrounding where those are. Like, for example, New York and New Jersey, they're quicker to lock down, have mandates. Florida, not universally statewide anymore, but you have a lot of local places like Miami-Dade, like here in Jacksonville, that have more stringent measures, mass mandates and stuff and such. California, well, we know they're very quick to react to something like this. So I think it's where these teams are, those surrounding areas are really like, hey, we need to slow down for all of these things because we're going to have the greater effect. Whereas, as you said, for your mid-major TV markets, some of them are quick to enact certain things, others aren't. And that you could see that as kind of reflective of that with your athletic teams. Oh no, I just think it's I think it's a a model that needs to be addressed and try it to is. try to come out and figure what's going on. It it, it absolutely is. I'm one hundred percent on board with that. So that way we can be like with other leagues and be able to actually finish the season, even if we have to have it with some sort of altered model. I would be fine with a playoff quarantine once we get to the actual bubble for the postseason too, in order to keep, and then like as soon as a team is eliminated, it can leave the bubble, but any team that's still actively involved stays in the same, in the same park. You were, you you wouldn't be able to get that. The, the the players union would not go for that. Neither would the owners because the no. owners would be losing. The owners that could have people in their stands would be losing out on too much game revenue from that happening. So I agree. Yeah, it would never happen. Doable, more feasible, but you're absolutely right. Because even with teams that did that, like well, with leagues that did that, like the NHL, they're scrambling to make up that revenue. With the NBA, they're scrambling and they're starting their season earlier than they would really want to, so that way they can make up some of that lost revenue and they won't lose any more. Uh, Eric, mm-hmm. cor- correct me if I'm wrong. I'm assuming we're time pointing at about an hour at this point. Oh, uh, 102. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, I, 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 do you have any other major stories in the news desk? Oh, one regarding something that you mentioned, Bill's Mafia stepping up for one of their own? Um, I was going to kind of talk about that when I poured one out for the Hummers, though. Very well. So that'll pretty much cover it for the news desk, then. All right. So then that moves us to I'm a survivor, which means you need a few seconds. So I'll work with the guys on their picks in the updated standings. Very well. All right, so while Eric takes care of the thing that we've been talking about doing for this entire season in I'm a Survivor, let's bring you some updated standings. Gentlemen, we all four hit last week. Eric picked picked Green Bay over San Francisco. I took the Giants over Washington. (coughs) Jason took Pittsburgh over Dallas. Randy took Houston over Jacksonville because Randy hates Eric. Hey, I was trying to be nice. I was taking Jacksonville all the time, and it kept losing. So I picked against them, and it, it still didn't work, I guess. Randy has the current lead at three weeks in a row. The season record is seven by yours truly. 
the all-time record is nine by the unprofessional. Both of those will go down. Um, just for the record, fuck the Panthers. All right. So while Eric is rounding up our special guest for I'm a Survivor, uh, Eric, or Eric, he's off. Uh, Jason, sorry. I know. It's, I look at you and it's like the same person. Yeah, I know. You're on a one-game winning streak, having picked Pittsburgh last week. Who are you taking in order to keep the winning streak alive? I'm actually going out on a limb um, and totally digging this team. I mean, I, I think that they're going to possibly give me a, a victory. Uh, I, they are going up against the top scoring defense in the NFL. But I'm actually going to take the Chargers over the Dolphins. I think the Chargers end the Dolphins' win streak. And, um, yeah, I think uh, I'm hoping Justin Herbert uh, uh, pulls one out and really upsets uh, Miami's tote. Real talk here. If Miami does win this game, does it put Chicago Viloa in contention for Rookie of the Year? He's in the conversation. I don't think he's in the voting yet, but he's in he he definitely starts getting in the conversation. I wouldn't think so. He's had one good game. I would think that, but the thing is is that we were talking at the midseason report and I was the only one who didn't take Justin Herbert as my midseason rookie of the year. I called Joe Burrow. So I would argue that Tago Vailoa beating Justin Herbert heads up would give him almost an advantage in terms of rookie of the year. Well little, you also gotta take into advantage. what something I just pointed out. Miami has a top-scoring defense in the NFL right now. That's fair. It's, 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 not, it's, it's not a one-on-one competition. My, the rest of the team won the first game that Tua played. Tua played very well, but the rest of the team played very well again. If Miami beats the Chargers, most likely it won't be just because of Tua. And that's what I was leading into. You have to look at more of the statistics between the two head-to-head. Yes, if Tua has a good game individually and the Dolphins is a winner come up, then, yeah, he'll be in the conversation. Well, I, I, I look at it like this. You have to – if Miami's defense is, is makes a score during that game, and that is the difference, you can't, you can't say, well, you give it to Tua because – the defense actually won the game because defense do, do win championships. Uh, so, I mean, I, I think of it as he gets into the conversation, but I would still need to see some more out of him to put him into that voting category. Very well. Um, Eric, don't call it a comeback. Don't call it a comeback. And now, Mama said, knock you out. Here's Mama Watkins. I can't call it a comeback because this is actually her first appearance for this season. Hi, Mama Watkins. Hi. Hey, Mama Watkins. Hello. How's everybody doing? She's picked a couple of games off stream this year. However, this will be her first time on stream. You're looking to get off of the uh, schneid currently after last week's no no appearance here, Mama Watkins. Who you got this week? Um, this week I'm going to be picking um, the Tampa Bay Buc- uh, Buccaneers and the Panthers, North Carolina Panthers, because um, 
the reason why I'm picking these, as my son has asked me, is because the poor performance that Brady gave on Sunday, I think he's out to redeem himself. Uh, being the guy that he is, he doesn't like to lose. So even though I've been a Panther fan for a long time when Cam Newton was there, first coming from Auburn, um, but uh, now he's with the Patriots, I am curious to see how uh, Brady is going to <laughs> – take the Panthers down, if not in anything, but because of the fact that Cam Newton did win with the Patriots this Sunday. So um, that's why I'm picking the Buccaneer. <laughs> Thanks, Mama Watkins. And with extra bonus insight. So I, I, I did enjoy that. I mean, not only did she take take the take the pick, but she gave us some very, very good insight on that. So good job. Thank you. She gave us a solid reason in terms of it being a Brady bounce back. I dug it. I mean, All right, she, contributed, she contributes more than Eric does. I, well, I mean, let's not go that far, but she's getting there. <laughs> We've uh, seen your picks, Eric. Okay. Look, I'm half decent <laughs> in survivor picks, thank you very much. But if we're going against a spread, we ain't even talking about that right now. Besides, I was able no, to teach her a few things that I know. We will talk about spread a little bit later on in the show. However, giggity. Uh, Eric, you've hit one week in a row having picked the Green Bay Packers in the Thursday night game last week over San Francisco. Who are you taking in order to try to extend your streak? I am staying in the NFC North. Again, semi-low-hanging fruit, but at this point with the middle of the season and given they're going up against the team in the NFC East, Alex Smith, I love you, but I'm going to be nervous the entire time. And let's face it, you, you don't have a whole, whole lot working around you. Whereas with Detroit, they're going to be coaching or they're going to be playing to at least try to help save Matt Patricia's job. So I'm going with the Lions. Um, for Alex Smith, it would be don't call it a comeback player of the year, putting suckers in fear. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Um. I'm going to take the lowest of the hanging fruits, I think, for this week. Well, I mean, because the Jets are on a bye. I'm going to take the Pittsburgh Steelers to maintain their undefeated record as they take down the Cincinnati Bengals. Harry, then, Harry do, you, do you worry at all with that pick if Big Ben does not get cleared in time? No, because long-time listeners to the show know that maybe um, Mason Rudolph, the red-nosed quarterback, can handle the Cincinnati Bengals on his own. It's not Miles Garrett of the Browns swinging the helmet at him. He should be fine. Plus, again, my girlfriend's a Steelers fan, so this seems like a kiss-ass pick for me. All right, Randy, you're looking to expand your winning streak to four. You cannot take Buffalo, Kansas City, or Houston. No, and I'm going to continue my strategy with that whole low-hanging fruit. I took Buffalo against the Jets, and then I took Kansas City against the Jets, and then I really worried about that Monday night game, so I avoided it. So I went for the next lowest-hanging fruit last week. Sorry, Eric, but I went against the Jaguars. And I'm going to go against the Jaguars again this week because the Jets are on a bye, and the Jaguars have to go to Green Bay and play Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. So that's number four for me. Just, just mark it down. It's over. I, and you know, at this point, I can't even really be mad. This, yeah, yeah, one and eight, and I am steadily accepting this. 
which is exactly why I have a lot of materials coming my way to help me through the rest of this miserable season. And, and I will say, I, I was telling Robert Taylor this on Monday, that Monday night's game was a win-win situation for me. If the Jets win, he has to sweat out our bet because all of a sudden the Jets are only one game behind the Patriots. And if they lose, it's a number one pick for the Jets still. So that's great. And this is a win-win situation for me still. If the Packers win, I go to four in a row. If the Jaguars win, the Jets almost seal up the number one pick. So I'm going to be happy with you know, whatever situation happens in that game. Personally, Unless they tie and then my head hurts. Personally, I would actually be rooting for a tie because it nearly happened the last week against Houston. But, yeah, two-point conversions. Woo. That wraps up I'm a Survivor. There is no I've got a question this week. It was replaced by the news desk. Eric, you know where that takes us. But really, have to because I'm hoping. Can we at least go ahead and pull one out for the homers first? Save me a little humiliation. Eh? Eh? We're it's time to pour one out for the homers. Oh, thank Jeebus. All right. Oh, okay. Now I, I'm going to go first because, well, thankfully the bye week came for us just in time because both the Jaguars and the Kings. Had bye weeks. Great. However, when they got back against North Carolina State, I was sweating a little bit. I know, Harry, you had mentioned like this team is good enough to where we could have a shot at going to the ACC championship game. I like our resilience. I like how we were able to finish off the game. But even still, I don't think we're quite there yet. And this little hitch with Notre Dame cementing themselves in the picture, I think we're going to come up just short. Will I be mad about that? I'm going to be honest, no. But all of this hype about saying, oh, the U is back, the U is back, we're on the way. We're not there yet. Well, you guys have a very interesting game this Saturday to see just where you are as you head towards longtime rival Virginia Tech at Blacksburg, where the number nine Hurricanes are actually a point-and-a-half underdog. Not surprising given Virginia Tech's performance against Liberty, but if we can cut... Liberty. Liberty. And I was actually going to say that myself when we got to our uh, Are You Serious picks, but we ain't even talking about that just yet. If we cut down on the mistakes cut down on kind of the somewhat stupid penalties, and we keep consistent offensive momentum because there's a lot of drives to where we get a little too comfortable. It's not even Derrick King's fault. There's just these little plays, two, three drives at a time to where your opponents hang around, hang around, and can take the lead. If we don't go through one of those stretches, it could be a comfortable win. But given how mad Virginia Tech is, if we have one of those stretches, we're potentially doomed. I'm the first correct, to say that. Correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't the Western? Wasn't the uh, excuse me the what Virginia Tech lost to Liberty at Blacksburg as well? Yes. I couldn't tell you the last time they lost back-to-back home games. Yeah, but and keep in mind, we are still a long ways removed from the Frank Beamer era. 
That's why I'm this a little is, bit more comfortable than I normally would be in this situation. This is true. Beamer Bowl is definitely a thing of the past in Virginia Tech. All right, Jason, you're up because Jacksonville's on a bye this week. Uh, wait a minute. No, we have. Oh, oh wait, Jacksonville plays Green Bay. The Jets are on a bye. My mistake. Um, is it really worth talking about? You guys are going to get smashed. Oh, aside from the fact that now Jake Luton has entered the Jaguars chat and seeing what he can do, especially after the arguably very good performance, even though it was against Houston, there were a lot of signs that I liked. And if Minshew doesn't come back right away, which he's not set to with his thumb and Luton plays well, he could be taking charge for the rest of the season, and that would leave us mired in another interesting quarterback quandary going into 2021. Okay, you know I am a massive college football fan, and I couldn't tell you what Jake Luton played college ball. It was in the Pac-12, sixth round. I'm trying to remember. I think it was, it was Arizona State. I thought it was either Washington State or Oregon State. One of the two. Speaking of, Oregon State. Speaking of, Oregon, speaking of Oregon State, Randy and I were having this conversation earlier this week. Randy, do you remember the conversation we were having? I cannot remember. I'm sorry. Okay. It's cool that you guys have a turnover chain, Eric. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Oregon State has a turnover chainsaw. Well, obviously, but still, you can't wear a chainsaw around your neck unless you want to lose a couple of limbs. Um, you, you do what they do at, like, the haunted houses yeah. and stuff. You just take the chain off of it. Yeah. Still get the sound, still get the smell, just no chain. Yeah, but, I mean, even still, I expect nothing less out of that. Look at what happens with Portland Timbers games. Every time that they score a goal... You have the lumberjack cutting off a piece of wood. If they get a shutout, that's another piece. If they win, it's another piece. So that's a typical Oregon thing. And congrats to Oregon for your particular results of this past election. Needless to say, I may or may not be planning a visit in my future. Oh, Jesus. Don't get me started at rolling. All I want to say, Eric, is you're going to get smashed like my messenger. All right, uh, Jason, the West Virginia Mountaineers are 4-3. and three. They are home for the Texas Christian Owls this week. Realistically speaking, the Big 12 is still wide open. Yeah, I mean, the, the Big 12 is, is the college version of the NFC East. You never know who's going to come out of it. I mean, uh, two, wins, two wins by West Virginia, they're back in the conversation. Uh, I think that they win easily this week. Uh, they're bouncing back from a tough loss uh, from Texas that had some controversy on it. But I digress. Uh, game's over. Won't discuss. And the personal opinions, just kind of, just kind of roll with it. But there, uh, there was some controversy in the game. As for the Giants, hey, we beat the, we beat the Redacteds or the uh, Red Tails or the. Whatever we decided. I don't forgot what we decided to call them. We're officially going with Redacted here on the kickoff. No, we, we, we came up with a new name on one show. Uh, it was a couple was. episodes back. I just can't remember what it yeah, was. Yeah, I can't. Uh, I can't I remember what it was. I remember uh, calling 
the fucking Snyders at one point, but I don't think that. Uh, no, I can't remember what it was. I will have to go back because it was it was the show before I took my hiatus uh, to cover the Hoot Owls. Uh, Just so remember, I, folks, don't hiatus because you ain't us. Continue. Yeah, uh, I think I, 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 this is a uh, this is a uh, preliminary. Uh, yeah, forgot the word, but. I actually think the Giants this week has a um, has a good outing, and more on that later. Uh, Dramatic reverb. Uh, We have we have another thing for Jason to discuss, but we will be discussing that later on in the show. Eric, I will be doing the wrap up tonight. Very well. Uh, and as far as the Hoot Owls, uh, they they did have a um, a nice win uh, over the Eager Beavers from Wichita Falls. Uh, you know there was some injuries that were uh, suffered. Uh, so I heard I heard a couple of them got caught up in a snatch. I don't know exactly how, but that's what I yeah, heard. Yeah, it, it was it was a clean and jerk. Uh, that that caused the uh, caused the injuries. Uh, so, yeah, uh, they 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 told me uh, something about the Kentucky buckets. Just to let you know, Eric, uh, they asked me what the uh, the difference between uh, your uh, a female and the Kentucky buckets were. What is the difference? Because once you get past the. Uh, the breasts and thighs, the only thing you have is a greasy box. I mean, it is... The Jason Teasley did not necessarily... Moving on. Legitimate, but that is bullet board material because the buckets did reschedule that game, I'll have you know. Let's try to bring this train wreck back around, Randy. You're up. Uh, Washington State and Oregon State. And, of course, right as he mentions that it freezes. But I actually did get to witness that game live. Yeah. Randy, what? Huh? Oh, go ahead. I, I My internet. Yeah, Perry's losing it. Yeah, Cougars looked really good in that game, at least in the first half. And then they tried to Coug it. Uh, that is, tried to blow it for anyone that's not a Cougars fan. Try to blow their 28-7 lead. Ended up winning 38-28 against the Beavers. Great showing by Dion McIntosh, the running back. 18 carries, 147 yards, and a touchdown. I'm kind of interested on this Jaden DeLora, freshman quarterback. See if he can get anything going. Defense needs to be a bit better, and they got quite the game this weekend. I was just about to say, my late, my late season prediction, I do believe I made this official when we did our, our uh, updated predictions and stuff last week. I have the Oregon Ducks winning the Pac-12 straight out and making the college football playoff. You guys get them, but you get them in Pullman. So this is a home game against the number 11 ranked team in the country. Realistically speaking, what do you think are the Cougars' chances on Saturday night at 7 o'clock on Fox? A very good chance. Uh, the Cougars, for whatever reason, have had the Ducks number. They've won four of the last five. Their only loss was last year 
where they lost by either one or two, but it was a really, really close game. For whatever reason, the Cougars always play the Ducks tough. And yes, it is a home game, but there are no fans, so it's a little bit different there. And, and we will see. I think the Cougars have a chance. There is no Jets game this week. Art one would argue that that's probably a good thing here. But you guys came dangerously close to beating the Patriots on Monday night. Were you surprised at how well the team played against the Patriots on Monday night football? Yeah. I mean, especially because the Patriots came out with a game plan that I don't think any of us expected. We all figured Cam Newton was going to run the ball more, and and that wasn't the case. He was throwing the ball a bit more than I was expecting, and they, they went to a true running back game and it kind of messed with the Jets defense a little bit but they they stuck right in there Flacco just was throwing the ball all over the place everything deep and and he was able to hit one or two deep balls to give the Jets a lead but good old Adam Gase late in the game went oh we're up by a touchdown still go ahead Flacco throw another deep one into double coverage there that that'll fix it uh, we'll say this much for Flacco, though. Flacco set a known personal milestone as he passed Joe Montana on the career touchdown passes list. It so just shows you that, 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 that stats lie, because I don't think any of us would say Flacco is better than Joe Montana. No, not even close. Although I will say this much, Montana spends a vast majority of his career with a lot better talent than Flacco has. Well, somebody tried to say... Jerry Rice was better than Joe Montana. Got laughed off the podcast. Hello, me, Jason. I mean, the, the picture that we have for that greatest of all teams post kind of does not lie. I'm just saying. Where can people find the greatest of all teams archive, Eric? Oh, right at W2Mnet.com. All of our archived episodes on the W2M Network. Including the pictures that Eric chooses to, to be spiteful. I'm just saying, it was a nice keep shot. Mind, keep in mind, are you serious is next, jackass? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I gotta have some methods of enjoyment when I can, especially <laughs> around here. Uh, coming out of the bye week, uh, Randy, what are your thoughts in terms of the second half, even though you've already played nine games for the uh, for the Jets this year? Just lose, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, again, Adam Gase, if it wasn't for Peyton Manning in Denver, just think about this. You wouldn't be in the position to get Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, I can't believe I, I've turned around on Adam Gase. I love the man. He's doing great things in New York, and I hope he sticks around until right after week 17, and then we can say goodbye and you know, I was going to say bring in someone better, but I just know the Jets, and I know Jim Harbaugh's coming, and I hate it. Well, I mean, so to be fair, you do have a chance. Your, hold, hold on, Eric. So basically what you're saying is you want Gase to land and to stay until Black Friday. Yes. Or Black Monday. Black Monday, yep. Absolutely. Well, I Keep mean, him around until you get that number one pick sewn up. Yeah, well, I mean, granted, if that just so happens, but then Trevor Lawrence decides, you know what, I'm going to stay right here. Would you have the same attitude? Honestly, if he tells the Jets that, all the Jets have to do is say, listen, we'll trade the number one pick. <laughs> Who do you want to go to? <laughs> I don't even care if we get Trevor Lawrence. I like Sam Darnold. The Jets have a, a bigger issue than that that they need to serve up. Luckily, the Jets have two first-round picks this year and two first-round picks next year because of their trade of Jamal Adams to 
the, the Seahawks. So now if you trade that number one pick, all of a sudden you're looking at three first round picks over the next two years and a couple extra seconds or thirds maybe. You're going to get way more for the number one pick with Trevor Lawrence on the end of it than you're going to get for Sam Darnold, which I'm hearing would be a a second and a sixth from some reports. So. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, Eric. Yes? The enemy is where he's hoping will land in New York. But yeah, odds are you're getting hardball. But seriously, no. yes. Eric, script flip. Well, um, you've got a couple of situations to talk about. First, I'm going to give you the, the, the good news with the, the, your college team. The, as I dubbed it for this year, the world's largest socially distanced semi-outdoor cocktail party. Do you think it went well enough for you? Uh, not in the first, not in the first ten minutes or so. It did. Boy, was I honestly excited when I first saw that scoreline. Yeah, the scoreboard, for those of you who didn't get a chance to watch the game, about 10 minutes into the game, the scoreboard read Georgia 14, Florida nothing. The rest of the game, the scoreboard read Florida 41, Georgia 7. Actually, I think it was Georgia 14, because I think they got I think they got a late score for 41-28. They did. Final. They did. Yeah. Yeah, so the, the the score after the first 10 minutes was Florida 41, Georgia 14, as the Gators absolutely steamrolled the Bulldogs to take control of the SEC East. Our only loss in the SEC thus far, and thus our only loss overall in the season, was to the SEC West's Texas A&M, therefore setting us up for, for a potential SEC title game showdown against the Alabama Crimson Tide. Yeah, and again, Alabama, well, with the whole situation with LSU, potentially they have that extra built-in bye week, question mark, but stay tuned for that one. But either way, it seems like they're on track to win the SEC East. However, we'd have to lose twice in order for Georgia to win it. Exactly. However, in the Big Ten East, little bit of a more sticky situation as far as I believe the way that I phrased it in the chat was always not happy in the valley nope what is going on up there for the first time in approximately 30 something years I think I want to say it was like early maybe late eight mid to late 80s or so like 40 years ago the Nittany Lions are 0 and 3 and not even really a good 0-3, if we're being honest. Like, yeah, the loss to Ohio State, you can kind of forgive. It's Ohio State, widely considered to be arguably the best team in college football this year. Indiana and fucking Maryland. Yeah, 1983. Yeah, so uh, 37 years, almost 40 years. That was when Penn State was still an independent. I know. I'm aware. We joined the uh, Big Ten at the beginning of the 90s. I think it was like 93. 93 or 90. I know it was beginning of the 90s that we joined the Big Ten. It might have been 91, but I might be wrong. 
Either way, we'll look that up. Oh, by the way, since Eric was giving me a strange look, TCU are the Horned Frogs, not the Owls. I was thinking the Temple. I was, well, I, I was Temple, Rice, and I was just like, wait, what? <laughs> he, Eric, he shot me a look, but thankfully let it go. I'm correcting myself now. Back to Penn State real quick. Um, You know what? For as much as James Franklin has done with the Nittany Lions, though, I think you'll forgive him one bad year in a year where everything's all topsy-turvy anyway. So I'm not going to be that guy that's calling for James Franklin's job because the Nittany Lions are having a bad season. 93. 93 for Penn State in the Big Ten? That's what I thought. Yeah. So I'm not going to be that guy that's going to call for James Franklin's job here. Lost part of the team, arguably the best the best defensive player in college football, deciding to opt out of the college football season this year in linebacker Micah Parsons. Uh, losing Journey Brown before the season started and then losing Noah Kane once the season started due to injury has absolutely depleted our running back core. There's only so much that the quarterback can do when the offensive line is giving up as many sacks as it's giving up a game. So I'm not going to be that guy that says it's all Franklin's fault because it's not. It's not the quarterback's fault because it's not. It's just a case of everything coming together in a bad season, and like I said, all is not happy in the Valley. And actually, I was right. They officially joined in June of 1990. They first competed in the Big Ten in football and other athletics in 91. We're gonna have to put a uh, link to that art to that article in the show description here. Yep, we'll do. Okay, let's move to the NFL, shall we? Yes. So, um, huge stepping up performance both on and off the field for your Bills on Sunday. I gotta right, give some credit. Is what I will say. Let's start. Let's start with the off the field story because we kind of teased it earlier. Saturday night before the Seattle game, Josh Allen's grandmother passed away. And Josh Allen decided that he was still going to play on Sunday. So the Bills Mafia decided to show up in force for Grandma Allen's favorite charity. Donating over $200,000 to a children's hospital in $17 increments. If this sounds familiar, it's because the Mafia has done something like this before when Andy Dalton led Tyler Boyd down the middle of the field to beat Baltimore, but you knew I was going to go there, in 2017 to clinch the Buffalo Bills' first playoff spot in 17 years. Oh, that playoff run was particularly sweet that year. Uh huh. Fucking AFC South assholes. I mean, if you just beat us once in a while, come to town, and then you won't have to say that anymore. Regardless, so the mafia showed up in order to pay its respects to Grandma Allen, and then Josh Allen showed up to pay his respects to Grandma Allen on the field on Sunday, as Randy talked about earlier with his stud performance. 415 yards, including an NFL best 248 yards at the half. That is the best yardage line by a quarterback in the first half all season. You know what else Josh Allen didn't do that Russell Wilson did in this game? 
Allen had an interception, but that was his only turnover. Russell Wilson turned the ball over five times against Buffalo, and one could argue in the process might have cost himself the front running in the NFL MVP vote by doing so. Some sports books still have him as the favorite, but uh, it might almost be Mahomes' time starting to nip at the heels. Three interceptions, granted, the third of which was literally the next-to-last play of the game where he was trying to make something happen as the clock was winding down and got route-jumped by, I think it was Micah Hyde. I'm not certain. I'm going to have to look that up. And then a pair of fumbles by Russell Wilson, including, and we talked about this in the group chat because Jason was stating that it was starting to get kind of hairy for Buffalo there for a while because Wilson had driven Seattle down the field to cut the lead to 14. Buffalo had to punt. Wilson got the ball back. And Jason, I believe your exact quote in the chat was, if if Seattle scores here, how nervous are you going to be? And then a few moments later, Jason posts in the group chat, well, never mind, because A.J. Klein decided to introduce himself to Russell Wilson. Sack, strip sack, fumble, fumble recovery. The Bills went down and kicked a field goal. Seattle never got closer than 17 the rest of the game or until they scored at the uh, tail end of the game in order to cut it to the 10-point deficit that it ended up being at the final for 44 or 34. All of that, and for even more comforting news for Bills fans, for the Mafia stepping up the way they did for his late grandmother's charity, Allen went on record and said, this makes me never want to leave Buffalo. Hey, we'll be happy to keep you, Josh. Just work on the accuracy a little bit, buddy. It's like Randy said earlier, usually when Allen's finding those open receivers, he's sometimes overthrowing them. By and large, he was dropping dimes against Seattle on Sunday. He's going to have to do the same thing against Arizona this Sunday, though, in order to compete with Kyler Murray, because I'm not going to lie. I'd argue that Kyler Murray might be the hottest quarterback in the NFL right now. Not to mention, just a look at the biggest height difference between the two quarterbacks in this game. <laughs> Murray's, what, five foot five, five six? On a good Allen's day. Like six, Allen's like six foot seven. <laughs> Like I'm, I'm a decent sized dude at six foot three, and I would be looking up at Josh Allen. Yeah, I'm five nine, and I could just about look down on Kyler Murray. So there's that. As far as the Arizona game goes, am I worried a little bit because I think Arizona is going to be pissed off having just lost at home to Miami. That being said, I think that Allen's a better quarterback than Tago Vailoa is. I think the Bills have more offensive weapons than Miami does. I think the Bills have as good of a defense as Miami does, even though we've been statistically rougher this year than we have in the previous three years. And I do think that while it will be a close game, I do believe that the Bills will go into Arizona and defeat the Cardinals this Sunday. Yeah, you would hope so, because let's just say you don't have anybody like DK Metcalf who could run down Buda Baker if Allen makes a mistake that way. I'm looking forward to introducing Kyler Murray to the same treatment that Russell Wilson got this past Sunday. AJ Klein says, hello. All right, Eric, are we ready to move on to our final segment? 
Yes, and I'm even skipping a potential story because I don't want to make a Jets joke even if they hire the enemy because that would give them even more draft picks. Let me just face the music. Actually, the music isn't that bad for you, Eric. Really? Because I did want to ask about this, especially for the I college mean, Straight up, you're awful. <laughs> There's no nice way to put it. Yeah, well, that doesn't change, and that didn't change tonight depending on things. But you said that that was a bonus pick, and technically you covered. Yeah, yeah. Except, well, covered when they were winning. And then there was a touchdown yeah. with the six seconds left. Right. I swear these the teams are the these teams are on to me. I don't know what it is. You know what team wasn't on to you was Liberty, Liberty, Liberty. Oh, and God, did that get hairy in the last 20 or 30 seconds. They nearly blew that one. <laughs> but they didn't blow it, and Eric, you actually finished 1-1 one one last week straight up, 1-1 one one against the spread, positive 19 points. Oh, I feel so relieved. Liberty, 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 Liberty. Although still fuck Limu Emu. Doug, you're still cool. Nope, we're pro Limu Emu on this show. You you watch your filthy whore mouth, Watson. Excuse me, you watch your filthy lady of the night mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Call back. All right, let's move on. Um, overall standings for the Are You Serious segment here. I'm actually 500 straight up on my upset picks. That's not bad. If only you could be 500 straight up in our head-to-head. That would be glorious, but no. No, you're not. Or Eric is getting his ass whooped head-to-head. It's almost funny. I mean, to me, maybe not so much to him. Um, I'm 9-9 nine and nine straight up. Randy's in second. He is 6-12. and 12. Jason is third. He's 4-14. Four Jesus. Eric is last. Eric is last at two and sixteen. So technically, you're within two of Jason. Oh, perfect! This is just like the NFC least. I can still chase somebody down. You can. There's still hope for you. Uh, our overall against the spread picks, however, I'm sixty-seven percent on the season. I'm twelve and six. I'll take that. That's better than sharp territory right there. Y'all listen to this man and make yourself some money. Jason is 500. He's 9 and 9. Don't listen to me. My picks go nowhere. No, don't take his parlay picks. Take his individual picks here and there, but don't touch his parlay. No. Randy is third at 8 and 10, so he's hitting 44% of his picks against the spread. Eric, you are only a game behind Randy against the spread now. You have he has eight, you have seven. Really? Because I was just gonna say the how far behind that I've been doing. I'm like y'all may want to just fade the fuck out of me and see what happens, but I'm not uh, abject terrible. Eric, the last two weeks you're three and one against the spread. Okay, let's just freeze frame like these two weeks right here. I, I mean, is there any point that we can, like, stop counting? Uh, I, I've heard that may or may not be a thing going on. Can, can we just... Uh, <laughs> nope, we're not doing that, Eric. Don't you start with that. All right. 
So those are your current standings after week nine. That is your week nine updated standings. We will give the updated standings once again once we hit week 12. This, however, is week 10. And the last place finisher for week 10, for week uh, nine, excuse me, was Randy. 0-2 straight up, 1-1 one one against the spread. So that means you go first this week, sir. Oh, what do you want first? College. All right. I talked about it earlier. I think it's going to happen. I'm taking Washington State plus 10 against Oregon. I think they keep it close and they have a chance to win. And your NFL pick for the week. It was tough to come up with one, but I, I think the Raiders who had a crazy finish against the Chargers are going to struggle to to come back down to earth after that and give me the Denver Broncos plus five. I don't believe in Drew Locke like some of you guys do, but he is great late in games to make it come close. So even if the Raiders win this game, I think the Broncos take a, a larger deficit and get within the spread. So I will take the Broncos plus five. Not to mention, I think that Derek Carr's comment comparing himself to Kobe Bryant is going to come back and bite him in the ass. Did hey, you guys? Derek. Did you guys see Derek. on NFL.com they were doing their their midseason awards and one of the writers picked Derek Carr as their MVP? Uh, yeah, well, that writer deserves to be fired. I, I haven't said that to to Robert Taylor yet. I should do that real quick. Yeah, you, you should. One hundred percent should. And then screenshot his act reaction and share it with me, and then I'll share it with the group. All right. Finishing second to last last week was, well, it was me. I had a bad week. I still finished over. Uh, I, I finished positive in terms of plus minus because my college game hit really well against the spread, but I lost both of my games straight up. So I was 0-2, 1-1. So in the hopes of turning things back around, I am going to take collegiately, give me Wake Forest plus 13 and a half against North Carolina. And for my NFL pick for the week, since, okay, what actually happened is I was going to pick Denver, but then I realized that Randy put his picks in first and he took Denver because Randy's a jerk. I am instead going to take the Houston Texans plus three against the Cleveland Browns. Oh, Finishing... so, sorry, I just oh, I just looked at, I just looked this up real quick. Uh, the person on NFL.com that picked Derek Carr as his prediction for the MVP was David Carr. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I didn't. I didn't look that actually near the picks that you had them in parentheses. So I went back and looked, and it said Carr picked Carr, and that was pre that's pretty funny actually. So I uh, Eric, yes, that is next level pouring one out for the Homer. I I, I mean, it, it it makes sense if you really think about it, because who else is going to? And if your own brother doesn't pick you, well, it's going to be an extra awkward Thanksgiving this year. I don't think they're getting together for Thanksgiving this year, though. Yeah, it'll be very beneficial that they'll have it over Zoom, I bet. Yeah, but David Suck won't rub off on Derek. 
Uh, finishing second last week with a record of one and one, one and one plus nineteen was Eric. Oh, and I saw for the collegiate lines it was a little bit interesting, but especially after Oregon State's performance and how they were able to keep it close against Washington State, well, they're going to face the Cougars, Apple Cup rivals, and the Huskies. So give me Oregon State plus 13 and a half against UW. A bonus pick that Eric made before we went live to the show tonight was Eastern Michigan plus eight and a half against, I'm drawing a blank, Ball State, State. I think. Yep. Yeah. You would actually Uh, ask me, and a little bit of backstory, because I had said this was 645 Eastern, and the game kicked off at seven, and I said, hey, I've got a couple of action picks. I got this one in mind. Would it be kosher? Harry asked if it was NIU. I said no, Eastern Michigan. Boy, am I glad with Eastern Michigan because <laughs> NIU got knocked the fuck out, forty to ten. I I got a bird. His name's Frankie. <laughs> That's a longest yard reference for our movie fans out there. All right, Eric, who's your NFL pick this week? Now, this is actually along with a little bit of bonus insight from Mama Watkins. She agrees with me in the fact that this particular game, it's going to be relatively close. She does not see either side pulling off any sort of blowout in this case. So I feel even more confident after her appearance tonight taking Carolina plus five and a half against Tampa Bay. I do agree that the Bucks win, but especially with this being a divisional game and with Teddy Bridgewater so far this season, I think they keep it close. The winner of the Week 9 predictions going 1-1 one one straight up, 2-0 and oh against the spread. I mean, in fairness, one of his teams is getting 44.5 points. The unprofessional Jason Teasley. Ah, it's good to be king. Um... Yeah, uh, I, I actually think that I'm gonna I, I want to change my my college pick. If well, no, let's fuck it. We're, we're gonna go. T- I'm gonna date make two college picks. One, uh, my second bonus pick will be in uh, honor of Eric, and it will count against me if either for or against me. My first pick, I'm gonna take Western Carolina getting 32 and a half uh, at Liberty. Um, Liberty, uh, Liberty, Liberty. Oh, sorry. Uh, undefeated Liberty, and for Eric, and for Eric, I, I'm going to take South Alabama getting 15 and a half versus Louisiana. Oh my God! <laughs> real, real talk. I actually strongly considered taking that game. And I was because, like, uh, and I was considering the Western Carolina game. I'm like, it's their first game, though. So, ooh. You, you, you Lala, just broke back into the top 25 this week, too. Yeah, so, so I'm going to throw a bonus pick. And for my, for my NFL pick, I'm actually going homer and taking the Giants plus three and a half. But I'm going to go ahead and make the prediction they're going to win straight up. Let me state for the record with the picks here. You have myself and you have myself, or excuse me, you have Eric and Randy on the five line. You have myself and Jason on the three line. 
the lines in the NFL this week fucking suck. Yeah, it was hard because there were a lot of like two and a halfs and twos, and I'm twos. like, ugh. Yeah. It's get, it's getting towards that time of year where it's getting more and more brutal, and especially with the way that Vegas has been these last couple of weeks, expect it to get even worse. So yeah, the the crap tactic lines aside, there there were only a limited number of games in the NFL that we could pick this week. As the season comes to a close, longtime listeners know this. We will move back to our original format once the college season wraps in December uh, of turning the Are You Serious predictions into a Are You Serious upset and a Stone Cold lock, which is a team that's a double-digit favorite that has to cover the double digits, which means if you pick a team and they're favored by 14 and they win by 10, you lose straight up. That is going to be tough this year. We'll get to the Stone Cold Lock feature once the college football season wraps up. And then we'll go to our Stone Cold Lock picks in the NFL when we actually pick the uh, favorites that we think are going to win. But they have to cover in winning as well. So we'll get to that again come December. I think that wraps us up on the show tonight. Yes, Uh, that does. Um... I'm gonna go around and I'm gonna have everybody do their I'm gonna go around and have everybody do their social media plug. I will then do the wrap up as I usually would in terms of where you can find the show and what, what uh, uh various outlets you can listen to us on. There will be no DOTW this week. There is a very specific reason. Long time listeners of the show will know. Randy, this will be your first time actually hearing this part of the show. But it is that week in Huntington, and therefore we will close the show the same way we have the last two seasons for Fountain Week and Marshall. Man, Goodell, you got lucky, because I was going to rip into you. I had such a good one, too. I mean, it's a good cause and a good reason, and I'm okay with it, but I had a good one this week. Sorry, guys. We'll we'll double up next week. That works. Fine. Save them. But I'm have... old and I'm gonna forget. Somebody remind me that the deck of the week was Tony be... Larusso. Okay. No, you, you know we could have this the, handy. The, the uh the uh right. thing like I do. That's a good Thank you. We Thank have you. this handy Thank thing called of a Google sheet that Jason goes I ahead and puts down his time to the and minute. forgot all. Of... Listen, I forgot it already. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Told you my memory uh, sucks. So while. Randy's working on that. Uh, why don't you tell people where they can find you online, Randy? Now you want me to do two things at once? This is okay. There, I got it in there. Hey, you can find you can find him inside Robert Taylor's mind every day of the week. <laughs> it's true, hundred percent true. I don't even have to be in a group chat with him, and he blows up my messenger sometimes. Uh, you can find me at Randy Isbell. You can find me at chapter underscore select for my video game podcast. You can find me at R and R Sports Report on Facebook, which we now have archive going. We have the last two episodes on there, thanks to StreamYard this week. I'm excited to use that program a lot more. Fantastic for video podcast, and it worked really well. Obviously, so you can check it out on klcz.com if you want to check it out live on the radio, six to eight p.m. Tuesday night Pacific time. 
we have a lot of fun on there and and we're getting some good responses so we're having fun exactly nice. and just like for making fetch a thing i'm gonna make five pin bowling a thing you just wait randy you're gonna love it bba bowling is done so there's a chance yes nine to eleven on the east coast uh four to six hawaiian i believe you said eric correct okay so there you go jason where can people find you online uh, you can find me at W2M Chairman on Twitter. Uh, definitely posting fantasy football stuff on there. Um, always, always up to engage in fantasy football talk. Um, and yeah, that's about it. I mean, that's pretty much the only social media I do outside of Messenger every so often. Eric, where can people find you online? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Squid Sportshead. I mean, with my viewing habits lately, if you see some weird tweets around 3, 4 a.m. discussing either State of Origin or Rugby League Grand Finals from the late 1980s, don't be concerned. It's a thing. Uh, you can also... Chicken fights? Eh, maybe. I mean, finding streams of those is actually coming very hard, though, but I digress. Uh, if you don't want to deal with that craziness, you can find me on Facebook at Eric Watkins. You know the drill. Jive, recliner, wine. If you want to talk about tutoring or any other sorts of things like that, feel free. I haven't been causing that much of a stir again yet. Well, we ain't even talking about that right now. But if you're actually missing something that special in your life, then you can reach out to my Twitter, slide into my DMs, Go through the thorough vetting process as you can gain access to my dark Twitter, Snapchat, maybe a couple of other apps if uh, things decide to go that way yet again. And as always, this plug brought to you by the fine folks at Rick's TNT LLC. Website, commercial, and notary public services coming soon. Add ETB to Eagle on all of your social media websites except for Snapchat. I'm not wasting my time yet. In addition, you can find me on Facebook at Harry Broadhurst. You can find me on Grapple, the wrestling app, which I need to I need to watch the AEW pay-per-view from this past Saturday night. I haven't gotten the chance to watch it yet, but I've heard good things, so I'm looking forward to it. Um, also, if you guys go on YouTube and search for Jack of All Trivia, you'll find myself in a non-title match as I am the wrestling trivia champion. I take on Christopher Michael Woodburn in a non-title match that aired earlier tonight on YouTube Live. It was taped last night, but aired earlier tonight. It's available on the Jack of All Trivia archive as well. In addition, you can find me on a bunch of uh, a bunch of all of the messenger services as well. I'm on Messenger. I'm on Discord. Me and Eric have football picks to make while we're still on Skype later. And we're still organizing a special little podcast that's a treat, and that's actually very pertinent at these times. And the good news is they're actually, for once, for the first time in several months, a pending return of Soccer to the Max. Stay tuned. Real quick, before we go any further with that, there is talk of a game show podcast. Rest in peace, Alex Trebek. Thank you, sir, for all of your contributions to the World Order Game Show. You will be missed. Very much so. 
You have been listening to The Kickoff, a presentation of the W2M Network online at w2mnet.com. In addition, you can find us on all of your favorite podcast listening services, such as iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spreaker, Podbean, CastBox. Hey, Eric, guess what? Spotify is here. Ladies and gentlemen, we are Marshall. Uh, I want to preference this because being living in the city of Huntington, uh, you don't know how much this this means um, to actually know uh, the history of the plane crash that happened uh, 50 years ago, this coming Saturday. Um, so on no, November 14th, um, as everybody knows, everybody is, you know, if you've been a sports fan or anything, you've seen the movie uh, with Matthew McConaughey. Uh, what I, I knew when I bought my new house, uh, the, there was always talk and always science of the Marshall plane crash site. And you, you tend to think that this is a large monument and stuff. Well, one day I took, uh, I took a little drive and found the actual plane crash site. What stands is just a hillside with a small plaque on it, remembering those, uh, faithfully tragically killed uh, returning from a uh, game in East Carolina living here feeling that uh, as everybody knows I'm a big WVU fan uh, WVU Marshall has an intense rivalry um, living in Huntington you don't know what the bounce ceremony means to the people of Huntington until you experience it and if you are listening to this um this coming Saturday, they're actually doing the 50th anniversary of the uh, turning off of the fountain um, if, uh, if virtually. Could, if you don't mind me chiming in here real quick, I will say that if you want to, odds are the streaming of the ceremony will happen on CBS Sports Network Saturday at noon when Marshall takes on Middle Tennessee State. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're actually doing a live stream uh, it is at 9 a.m. Uh, and if you know, I can find the link and uh, put it in the chat, and you know, for no references. But the the eerie silence of when that fountain gets turned off every November 14th is something that is chilling. Uh, so I I say this as not only a member of the community in Huntington, but as a huge college football fan, if you have not experienced uh, something that touches you in a way that you can't describe and that just brings a chilling calm over you, I highly recommend uh, tuning in to watch the ceremony as the fountain is turned off. So uh, this comes from the movie. It actually comes from an editorial uh, that uh, I linked, uh, sent Eric to, uh, and it pretty much sums up everything. It's it's how the the Mar uh, We Are Marshall movie starts. In the middle of Huntington, West Virginia, there's a river. Next to the river, there is a steel mill, and next to that steel mill is a school. In the middle of that school, there is a fountain. Each year, on the exact same day, the exact same hour, the water of this fountain is turned off. And in this moment, once every year, through this, throughout the town, throughout the school, time stands still. 
And when you hear the chant, we are marshaled during a football game, it is not only a battle cry for the school, it is a livelihood here in Huntington. When you become a son or daughter of Marshall, you take on that tragic event and you learn about it and it touches you deeply. So with that being said, on the 50th anniversary, coming this Saturday, November 14th, 2020, I want to say we are Marshall. Jason mentions the emotional experience of being involved there. I'm going to take this opportunity to remind you guys of something that we've talked about many times on the show, the famous Jim Valvano speech at the ESPY Awards, as he was awarded the Arthur Rash Award for Courage. Three things you should do as a human being every day. Laugh, think, and have your emotions move to the point of tears. On behalf of the kickoff, a presentation of the W2M Network, we are Marshall.